Hi everyone, welcome back to Reader's Table, the podcast where two story lovers talk about books, movies and stories of any kind. I'm Nick. And I'm Priscilla. And in today's episode, we are going to discuss anything from books, movies and beyond. Stay up to date and join the community on Instagram at Reader's Table. If you want to support us and are looking for exclusive content, use our Patreon link in the description. Hi everyone, we're back for a second special episode, season two. This is an episode that we do try to do each season. We've done it for season one, we're doing it for season two. Season one has had quite a good... Uh, listen. Yeah, like a lot of people listen to it and we had good feedback about it. It's essentially where we get to kick back and chat a bit more loosely about books and stories and movies and, you know, anything we really want that we didn't really get to during the episodes where we talk about stories of any kind. And part of it is also, first, we're going to talk a little bit about the brand and maybe new things that, that have been added um, that we want a community to know about. And then we, you know, get into talking about whatever. And at the very end, we'll have some Q&A community segment. It's open for other things, too. Uh, it's also where we announce upcoming things, maybe, at the end. Just for everyone that's listening and that doesn't know us, you know, if you have a question, you can always submit that through Instagram, DM us. Yeah, so let's jump right into it. Yeah, uh, yeah the announcement we want to make is we've got two pending interviews mm-hmm. that we're really excited about. One is with the author Kat Rector. Mm-hmm. If you don't know Kat, she wrote The Goddess of Nothing at All. And she's a self-published author. Which is a book that we covered this season. Exactly. If you haven't listened to the episode. Our second interviewee is Michaela Alcaino, book cover designer and illustrator. Which we're both very excited about because it's, you know... Something new. Yeah, it's not an author this time. It's uh, mm-hmm. somebody that designs book covers for a living. Yeah, and, if, and you, illustrates them. if you don't know the name by itself, she designed the cover for The Binding, for which she also mm-hmm. won an award. Or what's really popular also now on Book Talk or Bookstagram is The Empire of the Vampire mm-hmm. and Ariadne. Mm-hmm. So those are just a few covers to mention. Yeah, and you'll learn a bit more about her profession of being a book cover designer and illustrator and a bit more about herself. Mm-hmm. Now we enter the segment where we talk about anything. Yeah, for those who are new, we usually, or that's the plan, you know, maybe that's going to change in the future. We write down a few things we would like to talk about and then we roll the dice and mm-hmm. see, you know. What it lands on. Exactly. So Nick's going to roll from, from my list. Okay, and... I'm going to roll on your list. Yeah. And then see what I get. That's a three. Getting into epic series. I asked myself this question this year, especially because I felt like I wanted to read new stuff. And, you know, fantasy is always something I love reading. And there are, like, super huge series. So we're talking about books. Because series might be... I thought you meant TV series. Oh, no. I haven't watched a lot of TV lately. So So by epic series, you mean a book series that has a... So I saw The Wheel of Time. That's pretty huge right now. And, but I also felt like I want to read more classic classic fantasy, like The Name of the Wind or Lord The of Lord the of the Rings. Yeah. And 
So I thought, you know, it's a commitment to get into series like that mm -hmm. because one book might have 600 pages and the series might have like 14 books. Mm -hmm. So how do you think about it? Do you think it's worth the time? Um, if so, what makes you makes the cut, you know? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I can't speak for myself that much from personal experience because I haven't... Uh, I've read some fantasy series and I have to say fantasy here because most book series are probably fantasy or sci-fi mm -hmm. right because those are the ones that are expensive or historical fiction that's also a thing absolutely but for me um not so much of a of an avid reader as you are at <laughs> least last year um or in general from personal experience it's it you know it's a boring answer but it depends mm -hmm. uh the brent weeks shadow series has three books and i felt it was worth it because you know it's been a while since i've read them but it was worth it and then i'm looking at bigger series and i think the one that i'm reading right now is the legend of drist which is How many books again? 36 which is yeah it's a lot mm -hmm. which is a fantasy series that has been going on for a while ever since the late 80s early 90s and it basically is in the realm of dnd it's a dnd uh forgotten realms setting which is the one of the main settings you can play D&D yeah, Dungeons & Dragons as. Yeah, we covered that in Season 1, mm -hmm. Homeland, go check it out. Uh, there, it really depends on whether you like it or not. Like, personally, you, you, you see yourself getting into it. For me, when I started reading Homeland, I was just curious about it. Like, what would a book look like with D&D lore? Because I like D&D. I like the monsters, the fantasy setting, the spells, you know. Um... And then getting into that, I was like, hey, I want to continue reading that. You know? So now I'm on book three, you know, it's not a lot. But uh, well, it's <laughs> I, the first. I, yeah, for me, I can see myself reading all 36. I don't see any pressure. I don't feel like I have to read them in the next five years or so, you know. But um, yeah, that, I think it really depends whether or not you like really what what you're reading. And as soon as you, this is pure conjecture, I don't know from personal experience but i feel like as soon as i would realize this is not for me or it's kind of starting to you know well that i would take a break from it maybe come to to uh, come back to it later um so i think it's worth it i think if you have a big series especially like that that's 36 yeah, it, it can be worth it um because there's a lot of cool stories to explore um might not be for everyone you know mm -hmm. how do you feel about it yeah i thought about this a lot because as I mentioned, The Wheel of Time, The Name of the Wind, The Lord of the Rings, and then multiple other series that I found online that I would love to read. And it's like, well, you know, I can't just read fantasy, especially because I also want to cover not just fantasy on the mm -hmm. podcast. But still, I'm intrigued. And it's also fun to spend a lot of time with a character. Yeah, it is. And the, the world. And you really get to settle in and open up emotionally. Mm -hmm. So... I chose for myself at least this year to level it down to just a couple of series. For example, The Name of the Wind and The Lord of the Rings series are two that mm -hmm. I want to mention. Well, you also started The Daughter of the Moon Goddess. That's also three books. Yeah, right? but... <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like you didn't limit yourself to two. Yeah, I, I have an addiction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I forgot about that one because, I'm, you know, I just started reading it. I think to wrap it up. If you want, if you like reading series, just go for it. Okay, so now you're rolling on my list. Number one. This is something I thought about a lot. How knowledge influences passion. 
and it sounds a bit weird. So here's what I mean. When I watched The Lighthouse, I understood some things of it from a filmmaking perspective because I started looking at it from that perspective afterwards. While I was watching it, I wasn't. While I was watching it, I was just taking it in, taking the experience. But afterwards, I thought about it. I was like, hmm, why did they make certain decisions? How did they come up with that? And the more knowledge you have about something and the process of it, that's going to change your passion for it. When I read a book or when I watch a movie, um, specifically with movies, I love it when it's an experience that I can just have. And then when I get knowledge about filmmaking, then it influences my passion for it because I'm not watching a movie the same way anymore. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that's thought about a lot. Like a lot of people talk about this in, in creative industry. It's essentially, and also outside of it, you know, the more you know about something, the less you love it in a way you have a love hate start to develop a love hate relationship because you can't enjoy them anymore the same way mm -hmm. i mean I imagine I yeah imagine you are really into filmmaking you become a director and you write and, and you direct your own movies at some point if you're really into the craft and the technicalities you're not going to watch movies the same way anymore like you're going to see oh they cut away early here because of this and and then that takes away the passion mm -hmm. of it do you understand yes how do you feel about that have I you noticed that before in, in your life well not to a high degree because mm. usually when i watch a movie i just shut off my brain to like some degree mm -hmm. and i just enjoy it for what it is but i get it I, I can't name a book right now but i've experienced that i think with one that i reread um where you know I, re I read it the first time and i was like oh that's amazing and then i read a bit more about the process and the ideas behind it and i was like oh okay Reading it a second time, oh, yeah, I didn't like that. That's just, why did she do that? And, like, I ruined it a bit for myself. Mm -hmm. So I, I get that when you watch movies, it can be much worse because that mm -hmm. it's something different, you know. But still, yeah, I think I would be so mad if I couldn't, like, enjoy movies the same way. But mm -hmm. from my point of view, it's also interesting to know how movies were shot, you know, how the costumes were chosen, um the whole behind the scenes i like to watch that and then maybe with books it's a bit different right when you read a book and you sort of demystify the process and you're like wow why is this book so great mm -hmm. and you get into technicality and then you start to see oh it's because here they decided to make this character arc develop in that way and then and then you start to see how it was written and then it starts to feel less real and more like a fictional thing that somebody mm -hmm. made up it's fabricated and it demystifies it. And I think that's with everything in life, you know, so it doesn't have to be creative stuff. I feel, yeah. feel that way about martial arts. You know, when I was a kid, martial arts was very myst my, uh, mystical for me because, of course, I was a kid. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was. And it had that sense of um, mystery to it that I wanted to explore. Started doing martial arts at the age of 12, got into it through other people, you know, that do more martial arts than I do, talk to them about it. Um, and then you realize you're, you get to a point where you're understanding, you get to a point where you're understanding a lot of it um, a lot deeper than you used to. And that demystifies the whole thing. So your passion degree goes a bit low or maybe it doesn't go low, but it's just different, you know, because mm -hmm. you appreciate the craft, but maybe you're less able to appreciate the product. Okay. So I think that wraps it up pretty nicely. Yeah. Um, I roll on yours again. Yeah? Yes, please go ahead.
one. Um, short stories. Um, what are your thoughts on it or on them? For me, short stories are, as far as I've been exposed to them, um, ways to explore one specific emotion um, as a medium. They're just interesting and maybe a bit underrated as an art form. What about you? Um, I read a couple of short stories lately and I have to say it's not my cup of tea. I personally like to dive into a story and short stories just seem too short for me, you know, and then as the moment I finally get into the story, it's almost over, so to say. But, you know, if you can write short stories, that's a skill. I personally, as a reader, just don't... It's a, Yeah, it's maybe underrated as well, right, like we mm-hmm. said, because it's also not well known, like... Yeah, or not as popular. Yeah. My exposure to short stories is, you know... Not surprisingly, Stephen, Stephen King, King <laughs> mostly, but I had read other short stories or stories in short form. Um, but I think Stephen King does it really well because he writes them a lot. He has a lot of short story collections, and I'm sure he has a lot of short stories that he never published. You know, they were just like practice pieces because he had an idea, and he's more of a discovery plotter, which means he doesn't outline a whole story right away. He just has an idea and goes with it and sees how it develops as he writes which is really difficult to do, I think, but it's totally. just it's just the way he writes, right? Like, everybody writes differently, and I think that lends itself to short story quite well because you just have a, one idea, and then you focus on that, and then you finish it quite quickly. But yeah, I think that's where I fall on short stories. I think they're underrated. They're a bit of an art form, and it's maybe also a good way for authors to find out whether their idea works for them yeah. or not. I think short stories are great, for campfire stories kind of thing because i don't know my family wasn't a big thing like for holiday season it was a thing my mom would always get out a short story book with christmas short stories and then like you know read us one um if you're into that habit you know in your family or in your friend circle like telling each other stories like storytelling i think a short story lends itself more to that kind yeah, of atmosphere. Yeah, <laughs> because you you're not gonna sit on campfire and tell somebody Lord of the Rings, right? That's not gonna well, work. You can try. <laughs> I mean, multiple nights, but essentially you will want to come to an end quite mm-hmm. quickly. Also, horror stories like ghost stories, right? That are, are like short. That yeah, you I don't tell. really read them, so. <laughs> I mean, not not real novels, but that you tell each other at the mm-hmm. campfire. Um, like Shane and Ryan. Yeah, Buzzfeed. Yeah, Buzzfeed and aka watcher now because you know they have their own thing i think that's also to be taken into account there all right let's roll on your list again oh number three if you could make a movie what would it be okay so i wrote this down without really thinking about it so this is gonna be me figuring out on the go about myself and you too right oh maybe you've already thought about it i don't know go ahead spontaneously i would say something like a drama maybe but with fantastical elements you know like mm-hmm. like the feeling what do you mean the feeling an example maybe that comes to mind spontaneously is maleficent like <laughs> something magical like so i can get creative in that regard mm-hmm. the colors and the dresses and whatever okay. but there's also drama you know so you care <laughs> uh, this is actually really interesting because the first thing that comes to your mind is the aesthetics of it and the feel yeah you don't really think about the story yet right that's no, good. I mean, I, I'm just, I, I like yeah. the visuals of movies, you know, yeah. how, how they make me feel. 
and but I, I'm also thinking like drama maybe something like uh, the Danish girl more in the sense also mm-hmm. of colors you know theme like feel but mm-hmm. not necessarily about the text or like you know the script <laughs> yeah no that's that's good because I thought about it too and I was like hmm what would Priscilla do I don't know and I was like it doesn't matter you know whether you have an idea that starts with the style or the story or you know something you really want to tell um, or a cool idea of how you want to film it, like the lighthouse was filmed, right? Especially, yeah. I have to add something. I I just mentioned <clears throat> Maleficent, but you know, I would still try to film something where I wouldn't need a green room as much as some movies now mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, because that would do, probably do require... today. Do nowadays. <laughs> I mean, a green screen. A green room is where people meet up behind the stage before they go out onto the stage to perform music, or or so. That's not the same. Did thing. I say green room? I meant green screen. Yes. That's what <laughs> it is. Oh my god! No, I meant green screen. Actually, mm-hmm. sometimes my brain just or blue crazy. screen. I would really like to use the environment that we have, and you know, just make some things yeah. fancy with CGI. Yeah. And you. Well, I have you guess what I would make. Horror. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't even need to listen to my gut feeling. I really would like to tell a story that is inspired by personal stuff, like from my childhood, um, because I think it would be a great way uh, to uh, therapize myself. <laughs> it would be a great way to get inspired. Because I feel like if you have something that's personal, you're going to always care more about the end product. Right, because then it means more mm-hmm. to you. So I could really get into filmmaking then, and I could really get into like you know, given I I don't know nothing about filmmaking besi- behind the camera besides some little things as a viewer. But if I had all the skills and all the tools, and if I knew all the people, and if I could do it, then I would definitely make some personal story um, that's rooted in horror. Because I think I would like to make something that's symbolic that's that lends itself to interpretation of the viewer so you might not know what it really means or whether or not the ending is one way or the other i think something like that i would like to make yeah, something special here, you know. yeah something weird something special something that i can say i'm proud of you know and yeah what actors would you like to work with oh i know exactly which ones <laughs> Some, uh, something tells me it's willem dafoe and robert pattinson well, Robert Hansen is really interesting. Yeah, I think he should do horror, like, more than The Lighthouse. Mm. Um, Maybe he but, will. But I really would love to see Joaquin Phoenix in a horror movie. Because that doesn't really happen. He plays the Joker in, in the new Joker movie. But, I don't know, that's not really horror. It, it has those elements. But, you know, I really feel like he has uh, the vibe to be either a horror... Actually, he was in a horror movie. I have um, no idea which one. The Village or something like that by M. Night Shyamalan is pretty shitty <laughs> to me personally M. Night Shyamalan is a great director he has some really good movies like The Sixth Sense um, yeah you know that rings, <clears throat> rings a bell but yeah. I haven't seen it Split with Chase McAvoy ah yes yeah and so I would love to work with uh, Will and Dafoe I would love to work because Will and Dafoe lends itself to a huge range of emotions right you could make a horror movie with him because he has the creepy aspect, like the Green Goblin from Spider-Man movies. Um, but he also has other aspects to him. You know, they're very innocent, sweet. So there's a whole range of emotions you can cover with him alone. Um, I think for females, I would love to work with Jessica Chastain. Oh my God. I wanted to say her. Well, we can. that's not mutually. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> like you can still... 
Um, yeah, her is interesting. Anya Taylor. Yeah, Joy. No, are you kidding me? Yeah. She, <laughs> I she thought did about horror. her too. Yeah, she did horror, and she's just uh, she's interesting, you know, an up and coming. She also did Emma, uh, mm-hmm. based on Jane Austen. I really enjoyed that. Went to see that in the cinema. Really? Yeah, it's really it's a feel good kind of like you know British. <laughs> it's Cup a good of movie. Tea. Yeah. Biscuits, horse riding. <laughs> That's <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. All the Brits that are listening are going to be... Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to mock you. I like your accent. Be like, fuck just, reader's take. I always fail doing it properly. Right. Outside of actors, I think it would be really interesting to work with people. If I am if I were to do stunts, like in the horror movie, maybe you also need stunts, right? Um, depending on what kind of movie you make. Uh, or just an action movie with stunts. Then I would love to work with people that are in the stunt industry and, you know... The guys, Marshall Club on YouTube, you should go check them out. Um, they worked, they're part of Shang-Chi. Yeah, I would love to work with people like that too, you know, not just actors that are well-known, but also um, Some s- stuntmen and, and stuff, you oh. know, that are just not so recognized, maybe. I think that would be interesting too, just for action bits, you know. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that, for acting, obviously, like I said, Willem Dafoe, Robert Pattinson, Joaquin Phoenix, um, Christian Bale, um, he also would do horror really well he also has, has done some weird stuff with uh, the machinist um, it's a really weird movie mm, i don't know which one it's a bit indie it's a bit of a b movie because the marketing was a bit um, oh i have someone elizabeth olsen for no, less for me yeah but she seems fun she seems really fun i feel like she'd be really fun to work with like just as a human being yeah she likes food um, <laughs> i think <laughs> that's doesn't? already like great <laughs> yeah Anyways, shall we roll once more? Yes, please. Roll number three on Priscilla's list. That's a two. Reboots of series and movies. Yes, somehow I've been dying to talk about it. Okay. Lately, there have been so many reboots, like Gossip Girl, How I Met Your Mother, now for they The Father. They reboot How I Met Your Mother? Really? Hmm? They reboot How I Met Your yeah, Mother? Yeah, but you know, now it's How I Met Your Father. But isn't that the same thing, just from the other perspective? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I mean. Uh, just to name two, and Sex in the City, and... What are they doing? Exactly, like, all of the reboots, I just don't understand. Of course, the one part is, like, you might get nostalgic and you think, oh, you know, let's get back into this feeling, but I just don't get it. I started watching Sex in the City, the reboot, because I watched the whole series and the two (laughs) movies in my past, and I really liked that. So you can really speak on it Yes, and then I started watching the reboot, and it's like, they tried to put in everything that's so to say important nowadays you know Mm. and it just feels forced and the one thing that bothered me the most was samantha was not part of it anymore so you know the true sex in the city click click was not real anymore and you know then adding all the stuff that's very important nowadays that you should put into a movie Mm -hmm. or a series that people won't feel attacked or anything and it's just like why so it ended up feeling more of a parody of itself rather than the actual show. Yeah, I'm really right? sad about it, but I, I didn't finish it. Mm-hmm. I, I watched the first three episodes and it's also a bit ridiculous that they let that they let Mr. Big die mm-hmm. in episode one. Sorry if you haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that's a spoiler. Yeah, but it, it's been out for a while now. So yeah. I think the ones that wanted to watch it already did. Isn't there a thing in... I heard this somewhere once. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. But I thought there was a thing about the post... Uh, not post-apocalyptic. What am I saying? 
um, dystopian futures <clears throat> and aspects of it. And somewhere in a book or whatever, I don't remember, maybe I'm wrong, but somehow in my brain I'm like, ah, oh, yes, one of the signs of dystopian future, as somebody termed it or whatever, is that we will have reiterations of things we've done before and nothing new, like the creative slump will come and that's a sign of dystopian future starting to emerge or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's this, reboots and remakes. And yeah, it's just because, so sad. Yeah, because it's like, I get it, you know, we've had quite a long, like in, in, in Hollywood in the West, we've had quite a long history of movie making. And ever since the beginning... There's been new things that have been tried out, but there's been so many movies ever since then and TV shows. It's kind of hard to make something new and original. Mm -hmm. It's also kind of hard to make something new and original because maybe the industry is set up like that, like we talked about in the Lighthouse episode. Moving from um, a place of creativity to a place of, it's just about money, you know? Yeah, in the it's end, not a of great, course. It's not a great... Uh, growth <laughs> i don't think yeah it's uh, not how do you say sustainable yeah that's that's the right word yeah yeah that's what i was looking for thank you yeah it's 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 really you can really feel it's about the money i mean now they're doing legally blonde three i don't even know what that is that's well it's, it's it was a movie popular. that that was a thing yes yes and they should have stopped at the first one and then the second one was already kind of like probably right yeah I, the first one was okay the second one meh Mm -hmm. now 10 years or i don't know how, how much time passed in between they're doing a third one it's like mm -hmm. dudes i think it goes in also in line because this is reboots this is something a franchise that has been made or a movie has been made make a make a continuation but it also goes into remakes right like they make movies that are exactly the same but all female cast why are you doing that like to me i get you want a diversity but why aren't you then creating a new ip a new intellectual property, like a new movie with all female that is creative and new. Why do you have to copy Ghostbusters and make it all females? I think that bombed at the box office. Nobody went to see that. Um, same with Ocean's Eleven. Why do you make Ocean's Eight? Like, can't you come up with a new idea? Because to me, it's like I want to see that diversity too. But yes. then do it right. Don't don't just copy, copy. what the men did and uh, or what they did for a male group. And you know, it's a bit sad. It's like you don't really care. About diversity you just want to make money yeah to me. It, it, there, there there should be another way yeah. of going about those things yeah it so, just doesn't it seems dishonest to me and a bit fake and i get maybe that's the way you have to go about it at first to kind of get that attention but it's also you shoot yourself in the leg you know it's it, at some point you can <clears throat> continue and yeah. then what what are you gonna do so it's better <clears throat> to really sit down already in the beginning and brainstorm ideas mm -hmm. because there is a lot of content out there i mean mm -hmm. i'm getting back here to books there's so many yeah, books can you out imagine there. somebody rewrote the lord of the rings <laughs> everybody <laughs> would that hate that no but everybody would hate that yeah it's not you know the why same. you know why because the respect mm -hmm. for the author and the work counts in the book world Absolutely. in the movie world somehow everybody just doesn't give a shit they're like oceans 11 i don't care who wrote that and about the actors and that they did a great job i'm just gonna make it all female and and also basically take a dump on the female cast because you know i'm not gonna write something creative and something new it's just gonna be the same thing but for yeah. me yeah 
uh, like that doesn't exist in the book uh, circle. I think nobody rewrote a book. Well, there's there retellings. probably is people that copied ideas, but yeah, there's to some retellings. Degree, some degree, it's it's normal. I think you just grab Absolutely. an idea and then form your own. Yeah, but it's not a copy of it, no, no, and no. you can't call it a well, a lord ladies, is like a fel- lord yeah. and ladies, lords and ladies, yeah, so ladies, ladies of, of the, the ring. ring. That's just like why? <laughs> yeah, if somebody, please don't do that. Who play Gollum? Just make a new epic fantasy that's mm-hmm. that is focusing on women, and then that's your own thing, and mm-hmm. then that can be respected for its own world and for its own thing, right? Um, I, I just find it interesting that thought is like in the book industry that does not exist it only happens with movies it doesn't even happen with games because mm-hmm. games have remakes and there it's literally the same game made a bit newer like with better graphics etc or so um, and that's just to enhance the feeling and maybe somebody hasn't played it yet and wants to play it on a newer system or somebody has played it in the childhood and wants to play it again there it's a bit different right I agree. At the movies, it's really shameful uh, or shameless how they copy stuff, mm-hmm. I think. Um, Copyright's not um, yeah. respected. No, it really isn't. Well, but there's still some great movies out there. Yeah, yeah. I think in general, to, to come to a conclusion here, we don't need that. But <laughs> I just think we need to stop that in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or But when I say we, I mean they, because I don't work in this industry. But yeah please just don't make the same thing all the time and don't reboot and like i mean after 10 years it's just yeah let it die yes it there's a reason why nostalgia exists yeah let's move on to the next question Mm -hmm. your fifth question horror as genre as a genre and why it matters i don't know you're not into horror uh some of our (laughs) listeners yeah but you know i think it's still good to hear what your thoughts are on it yeah i just think that horror matters because it's a it's not the only genre that can explore extremes but it lends itself very well to that sort of stuff so you can really explore some crazy shit like if you wrote if you were to write a romance about a pedophile uh, it would probably be controversial right yeah (laughs) but if you write a horror story that involves a pedophile it's like it it fits you know it fits that genre um because there's it's a really dark story probably right and and involves trauma it involves psychological um horror i think these things are uh, that's what horror is great because it allows it gives a platform to these type of things that we should talk about that are taboo you know uh, oh you should not talk about the dead uh being raised from the dead you know zombies that's a big horror thing um, but that that was taboo at some point. Nowadays, it's almost a staple in the video game and the movie and the book industry. Same for vampires, right? <laughs> that, that that thing has been beaten to death. Like the, the, we've seen it, we've done it. Werewolves. In ten years, it's <clears> going to come back. Probably yes. I mean, it's still here. Yeah. So in general, I think that uh, horror genre lends itself to topics as a platform that usually are taboo. Um. Other than that, I also think it's just interesting because you get to create something that might be a bit outside of the norm, a bit weird. Um, you know, referring Spooky. to <laughs> yeah, referring to the lighthouse, um, which is out of the norm and a bit weird too. Yeah, I think horror is not easy to. Yeah, it's also very so, difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on? It? I don't yeah. really watch horror, and it's not my favorite genre at all. 
But I do see the appeal in it, you know, the jump scares for people that just like jump scares or the psychological stuff. So there is a like I think there's benefits to it, the genre in general. I personally just wouldn't mind continuing not watching them. Because <laughs> you don't like being scared. Yeah, I mean, it just stays for way yeah. too long with me, and then I can't sleep and all of that. But I have to be honest here too. I mean, sometimes when I see a trailer online on YouTube, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a good story. And then you know, I read it for, and then I you know continue my thoughts, and it's like, nope. <laughs> also, what you said before, I think is really good.、Uh, I agree with you on the whole,、um, you know. Sometimes it's too scary because I don't watch every type of horror movie. Some things are also not for me. Body horror is so. Yeah,、oh. I hate that. I hate the gore stuff. I can't.、Mm-hmm. To me, that's just why you know.、Um, yeah, there's body horror that is not so gory that is interesting, but it's also weird, especially on screen. But what I do like is the characters can be very explored very deeply. And what you had said, you said that it's not easy to do,、mm-hmm. and I agree. And I noticed that in one of the、uh, short stories that I read of Stephen King, and I read the Night Shift, it's a short story collection, and I read all of the short stories in it, and some I liked more than others, obviously, right? And one of the ones that I didn't like as much, to me, really bordered on this is ridiculous, like this is kind of funny, you know?、Mm-hmm. I don't know if he meant for it to be like that. For somebody else, it might be horrifying, but for me, it was kind of like this is hilarious. So, like, so I think horror borders on. Humor almost, so you have an idea, and if you tell that idea correctly, it might seem scary. And then if you, you know, if you have an idea that's scary, um, and then the person writes it, the author, the person that writes the script, um, and you you realize as you read it, this is not scary. It's kind of hilarious. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Um, I've never experienced that. No, no, I'm not saying that 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 I experienced that in the full story. Okay. But I think that elements of horror can seem funny sometimes when they're not done well. So that's why it's so difficult. You know. Okay. Right now it sounded like I was saying Stephen King didn't do a good job on this one short story, but it was also not for me. So it also depends on the person. To to get back to the, because I, I think it makes sense that I bring up which story I found ridiculous of Stephen King. It's the lawnmower man. It's really、uh, there's a guy he has to do the lawn, and it's not been done in a while, and it's really big, you know, like good grass. It really sounds like a normal day. Yeah, and <laughs>、uh, but then he hires this this company he sees in the in, the, in this ad in this magazine, and this guy comes over. It's the lawnmower man, and he mows the grass like he eats the grass. He's like. He's he's getting on all four and he crawls around and、Ew. eats the grass. He's like lawnmow, and I find I don't find that horror. I find that hilarious. And then in the end, spoiler if you care about the story, it's a short story.、Um, he eats someone. He eats the guy, yeah, because the guy's like, this is horrific. Like something's wrong with this man. Clearly, the way he behaves, he wants to call the police. And then the guy comes in and like you know, eats him. <laughs> Is that scary for you? Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's hilarious because it's like I get why it's hilarious, but I picture it in a horrific way. You know, always when it comes、yeah. to stuff like that. And see, but、I'm、that's like... the thing. If you were to read the story, maybe you would also find it hilarious because I feel like the way it's told, it's just in a funny kind of way. I think I'm biased because I know it's Stephen King, and I associate him with horror like、mm-hmm. many other people. And then my brain just goes immediately to the horror im- imagine im- imagery. Yeah. So essentially, you can tell something horrifically or. Kind of funny, 
And that's where it's difficult because a short story is just one thing, but a whole novel, there's multiple elements to juggle. And you want to make the people feel real and their reactions feel real and not ridiculous or funny or... So it's it's a difficult genre to write, especially for books, I feel mm -hmm. like. You read a horror book. How did you feel about this, you know, uh, this vampire, uh, what was it called? Southern Book Club of Hunting Vampires, I think. Yeah, something like that. Correctly. How did, yeah. do you feel about it re retrospectively now, thinking about how it could be hilarious? Were there scenes that you were like, that's that's kind of funny. Like, that's, mm, a, that's just... Not really. Not there really? were, you know, it, this one wasn't really a horror book for me. It had horrific elements. Mm -hmm. Like, two or three scenes really got me, like, in the sense of, I pictured this and mm -hmm. then I got scared. But other than that, it was just women that came together spoilers no no spoilers actually i think it's on on the back of uh the book mm -hmm. <laughs> um and they make a book club you know and read horror stories and then mm -hmm. there's this new guy in town and surprise Turns surprise to be a vampire yeah and they have to kind of figure it out and, I, what yeah. i find really good in hindsight is that it's not about it's about middle-aged women mm -hmm. you know they all have families and they come together to read horror stories and then they <laughs> um make something very gross happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Now thinking about it, I think it might be because um, these stories, for them to be horror, they don't have to include supernatural elements, but maybe something that is a bit um, the unknown. And when you reach for that in your imagination, you might have to reach quite far because a lot has already been done. Like I said, zombies is a thing. And if you want to do something new, you might come up with ridiculous things. I mean, there's also a short story about in the Stephen King Night Shift about the a machine that that prints or something. No, it's a different machine that starts. <laughs> taxes. Yeah, that basically possessed by a demon or so, and that starts killing people, um, like not actually that's, eating that's them. That's a crappy version of Terminator. <laughs> yeah, but that story I found actually really? horrific. Yeah, because the way it's told, it's like this machine doesn't uh, sort of turn into a transformer and start to act out. It's still a machine, but it might malfunction. It's like, oh, somebody has their hand in the stuff. Yikes. Click the stop, click the stop button. It doesn't work. The person gets their hand ripped yeah, in. Okay, stop. Yeah, I'm just saying, like that. Then that's horrific, right? Because it's like, what if that happens? You can't control the machine. Stop the machine... using printers or whatever. Yeah, and they even try to plug it out, but it still works. And then it's like, okay, that's kind of crazy, you know? And I hate that because I always had nightmares as a kid when. Uh, things would play like a radio and it would start playing like weird music that was scary to me and didn't want to listen to it so in the dream I went to plug it out but it kept playing so I hated that oh, luckily I do <laughs> more food and stuff yeah I mean that was sometimes you have nightmares <laughs> mm. Yeah, but I think it's an important genre it's, it's also um, it's a balance you want to tell a good story at the end of the day it's not just Always, about yeah. hor uh, making the people scared it's about suspense and telling a good story about human things um, or not, you know, about action, about history, about, I mean, anything could be the focus. Guess that wraps up our second segment. Mm -hmm. On to segment three. We still don't have real names for our segments, but that's something Community to, segment. Yeah, that's something to watch out for. It yeah. might come in the future. So this segment, so this segment for now community segment um we already announced the interviews mm -hmm. 
so this is going to be the Q&A. We have a bunch of, just, a, you know, a few questions before we wrap this up. Um, feel free to ask us questions. Feel free to check out our Patreon if you want to, you know, get into deeper Q&As. Yeah, or Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. Um, on Patreon, we offer exclusive reviews, exclusive recommendations based on our episodes. So if you like one of our episodes and you're like, hmm, I read this book already, or maybe I don't want to read it, but I might want to read something like it or watch a movie like it. We do recommendations like that and reviews that don't, do not appear on our Spotify that are a bit shorter and a bit uh, more, you know, intimate and a bit more scripted as well. But it's nonetheless entertaining, hopefully. Um so please go check it out if you're interested. And without further ado, let's ask the first question here. Um, is there any type of book you wouldn't cover for the podcast? I would stay personally want to stay away from controversial stuff. Like if it's something that may be controversial in pop culture or in thematics or in setting, it's difficult to talk about and you don't want to get taken out of context. And that might hurt our brand. So I think those things I would be careful with. Yeah, it's also good that we always talk about what we want to cover. So in case we might read something or watch something mm-hmm. that's controversial and don't know about it, mm-hmm. there's yeah. someone like one of us that might or like that catches. Yeah, I also think we we wouldn't cover things. And maybe you don't agree, but if I can speak for both of us, we wouldn't cover things that um, we don't like. <laughs> like yeah, we don't enjoy. yeah, definitely. I mean, we we have to enjoy it on some level with. Yeah making you want to read more books and you know be creative and whatever is based on stuff that we like and not we we don't want to give you stories that we don't deem to be worth it you know Mm -hmm. and that's just our opinion someone else might think differently so don't take take it with a grain of salt but i agree with you nothing that we don't think nothing that we don't like and now we have another question what makes you buy a book is it the cover or the summary on the back Mostly. usually the cover is the eye catcher and mm. i will grab it and just you know read the back of the book and if i like the story as well i'll get it but if i feel like no this is nothing i'm interested in then i mm-hmm. even the cover can't make me buy the book sometimes a cover is intriguing to me and then i'm like oh this looks cool and i read about it a bit in the back or maybe i'll read the first page or so or I quickly check it on Goodreads and, and see what it says there, because sometimes that's different from the back of the book. And then if it intrigues me, the cover will definitely also have an influence on that. So it might intrigue me a little bit, but the cover is very nice. So, you know, there's other books that I would say, I don't care what the cover looks like. I, I'm, I'm really interested in what's in it. Um, for example, Discourses and Selective Writings. I'm I'm really not in it for the cover. <laughs> like that a yeah. cover could be white. I don't care, but it depends. Like, of what do you want to get out of it? I would really want, like, to have the experience of reading a manuscript before it gets turned mm-hmm. into a real book, just to get the feel for see why it's different. Yeah, yeah, and to really focus on the stuff that's in the book. All right. Next question: uh, Buy books on a whim or based on research? Well, again, depends. Right? <laughs> yeah, it really depends. Usually you, more most, on the whim. Mostly on the whim. <laughs> yeah, because I see like, oh yeah, this book, I, I'm pretty sure I like it. I have a but strong to be honest, gut feeling. I feel like for me too, I feel like for most people it's that mostly on the whim. Yeah, but I have to say also that, for example, the King, King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss, 
The first one was a short buy. And then the second one, I went um, to read reviews online. And for the second one, I went online to read reviews. And I realized a lot of people didn't like it. And I was like, mm, should I still read it? But I, I want to know what But happens. that's different though, right? Because that's not something you research before you read it. Like you already read the first one. When yes, you saw I'm it. talking about yeah. the se- second sequel. one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was so unsure. But then I was like, no, listen, you need to form your own opinion. Mm-hmm. Maybe you really love it, and then it doesn't matter what other people think about mm-hmm. um, the book. So I feel like there's also a, a lot of uh, there might be this one book that you really hear about a lot, and you're not sure, and then you do quite a bit of research before you buy it. But that's very rare for me. Same. Mm. Usually, it's really on a whim. Yeah. Oh, this if, is great. And if happens. research, if one can call that, is involved, it's usually somebody that I follow online. Or, or, you know, somebody that I value their opinion said something about that book that made me want to read it. Mm-hmm. And that's still on the whim then, right? It's like, oh, this person really likes that Put book. Put it on a list. Yeah. Like, I was I was curious to read The Stand, which we covered in season one. And then Daniel Green on YouTube, who's a booktuber, um, talked about it quite well. And I was like, well, no, nah, I have to read it. Like, that kind of influenced me too, you know, to even want it more. So, yeah, speaking yeah. about booktube, our last question for today, and today mm-hmm. we just really want to keep it a bit short, um, is your favorite booktuber? And you said Daniel Green is um, one of yeah. them. I feel like I don't have many, so I would say Daniel Green is probably, if I had to name a favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, also like Cliff Sarge, uh, his channel is called Better Than Food, where he rates books, whether they're you know better than food or not, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting and kind of fun. It's a very chill laid-back um, vibe, and he's very literary, like, versed. He's more into the literary scene much more, in a, in a more pristine way. Like, I don't know, that's probably not how he would put it, but he doesn't necessarily do meme videos or stuff like that. He isn't into fantasy that much, I think. That doesn't mean he doesn't read it, but he generally really cares about the prose and like maybe the history behind it and he also really has some great book recommendations of books that are not so well known maybe indie books yeah or books from other nations that are not well known in the english-speaking parts of the world because they might have been translated but are not well known and i think that's really cool if you are into trying to get a book recommendation mm-hmm. um that's maybe a bit out there, you know? It's like, oh, I didn't even know the person existed, even though she writes amazing. Let's read a book of hers. Absolutely. And for you, Cindy reads? <laughs> yeah, I, I like Cindy because she's just so savage. Um, especially her Court of Thorns and Roses a video series. But not just her. I also like Elliot Brooks because Elliot reads a lot of fantasy. I love fantasy, so that's always a great point to start when I'm looking for a new book, maybe. Um... And also, read with Emily Fox. Mm-hmm. Some of you might know her from her former beauty channel. I don't know if she still keeps doing that. But, yeah, I think also when it comes to book taste, she has a diverse one and I just like to watch her videos. That's great. Mm-hmm. I also would like to name somebody here as a last. It's not necessarily a booktuber, but he has made videos about books. It's called Book Review PewDiePie. Uh, I felt that that was coming. Um, yeah, if you don't know PewDiePie, like if you don't watch his stuff, but you still have heard of him, you might feel like this is a joke. It's really not. Like these videos are uh, serious. You know, he takes it serious. He does it in a fun way. Like he realizes his point of view. 
he realizes he's down to earth and he's not like uh you know what he understands and what he doesn't but he understands a great deal i believe and he's very humble about it and he has some interesting books that he reviewed that he made me want to read no longer human he's the guy that basically got me onto it he made me want to read uh, the republic and and uh, discourses and selective writings so like greek philosophies came from his suggestions and i got into it through his suggestions because i thought hey that sounds very interesting um there's other recommendations like dostoevsky that came from him too i heard it in other circles but uh yeah so if you enjoy pewdiepie or if you would like to get a point of view from somebody who doesn't do booktubing uh, book review pewdiepie you'll find all the videos it's a bunch of them and maybe there's something there yeah and with that we wrap up our special episode for season two yeah and essentially our season we got two interviews coming but other than that we're pretty much done and I'm, we're already excited for season three because mm -hmm. we've got some cool stuff planned and we hope you will continue to listen yes That's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed this special episode. Stay up to date and join the community on Instagram at Readers Table. If you want to support us and are looking for exclusive content, use our Patreon link in the description. Thank you very much for listening.